0: And rely on his promises every day. Here's the message. Good morning, everyone. My name's Sue. If you're a visitor here today, and very pleased to. See you this morning. I hope you're having a good time. Um, yes, yeah, we've got our first Sunday school this morning, and uh, before we send the young people out, let's just lift them all up, shall we? Father God, we thank you for Andrea. We thank you for this amazing start, to this new season of a Sunday school, Lord God, and uh, we just pray for this adventure, Lord God, this adventure for everybody who's involved in this, Lord God. We thank you that it has your blessing, and um, it's just going to be such an exciting time for all of them, Lord God, all the young people, and uh, we just send them out knowing that you go with them, and they're going to have a really great time. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Have fun. Come back and tell us what you get up to. Yeah, cool. Okay, so um, I just wanted to add to that um, moment of anointing oil that we had earlier. (laughs) I don't know how many of us partook of that, but if you did, and you just thought, actually, I'd just like someone to pray with me as well, um, just, you know, stay behind at the end and Someone will come up and pray with you um, because, you know, where two or more agree about anything they would ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. That's what the Word of God says. So come into a prayer of agreement with someone over whatever it is that's on your heart, and I'm sure that, um, you know, we can see great things happen. Okay, so if you're um, new today with us, we're working through the, the book of Luke. And we've got to chapter 16, and I think we're at over 100 sermons now. So um, it is a slow move through Luke, but it is very good to do that because you can't miss anything out. And um, the, the one I'm going to do today, the one I've been given, quote, quote, is probably one we more might like to miss out. <laughs> um, but. Hey, um, I've, I've got a really good message, and um, I'm, what I'd just like to say at the start is, there's no condemnation in the body of Christ, okay? So just bear that in mind, it, like a bookmark, start and finish, there's no condemnation for me or for you in this message. So it's, it's Luke 16, and it's verses 1 to 13, if you um, want to note it down or anything. Okay, here we go. He also said to his disciples, there was a certain rich man who had a steward and an accusation was brought to him that this man was wasting his goods. So he called him and said to him, what is this I hear about you? Give account of your stewardship for you can no longer be steward. Then the steward said within himself, what shall I do? For my master is taking the stewardship away from me. I cannot dig and I'm ashamed to beg. I've resolved what to do that when I am put out of the stewardship, they may receive me into their houses. So he called every one of his master's debtors to him, and he said to the first, how much do you owe the master? And he said, a hundred measures of oil. So he said, oh, take your bill, write down 50. And then he said to another, how much do you owe? And he said, a hundred measures of wheat. And he said to him, take your bill, write 80. So the master commended the unjust steward because he had dealt wisely For the sons of this world are wiser in their generation than the sons of light. And I say to you, make friends for yourselves by unrighteous mammon, that when you fail, they may receive you into an eternal home. He who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much, and he who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much." Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust true riches? And if you have not been faithful in what is another man's, who will give you what is your own? No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Yeah, okay, let's have a prayer, first, shall we? Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you um, just for the amazing nature of your word, Lord God, that it cuts across time and generations and nationalities and genders and everything, Lord God. You just, your word just cuts in and speaks to us directly. And we invite you, Heavenly Father God, through your Holy Ghost, to teach us today through this word, Lord God. Open up the eyes of our understanding. Speak to us personally about our stewardship of all that you have given. given us today. Amen. Okay, so if you were here last week we had a lovely message on the prodigal son given by my amazing husband sitting at the back looking after me today on the audiovisual and um, it's interesting that chapter 16 opens up with and. So and is one of those conjunctives, is that the right word, teachers? Yes? Yeah. Anyway, it's one of those things that links something from a previous thing. And so I think that this message here in um, Luke 16 is actually sort of connected to the prodigal message last week. And you, when, you, when you read the prodigal message, we sort of all major on the rebellious son, don't we? You know, the one that got up to mischief and wasted all the, all the goods. But there's the one in the background, isn't there? There's the sort of super righteous one that did it all right and, you know... And, his reaction when this, his younger brother comes back isn 't very nice, is it he doesn 't want to go in and party he doesn't want to have a um, celebrate um, this amazing turnaround in his in his younger brother. I think he was probably worried that the rest of the fortune was now going to be subdivided again, and he was actually going to only end up with a quarter because the father said, "You know all that I have is yours and I think Jesus is um, sort of speaking this um, parable here about wealth, because he had in mind that there were certain people listening that might be a bit like that older brother because it says at the start here, he said to his disciples there was a certain rich man, but going on to verse 14, which isn't in my brief this morning, we actually read that the Pharisees were earwigging. They were listening to all of this and their reaction was quite interesting because they derided him and scorned Jesus for what he was saying. So Jesus is aware like he's got a double audience. He's got his disciples in front of him and he's got the Pharisees listening at the edge. So I think this message, is sort of directed at them as I think we'll see in a minute okay so it's divided into two parts verses 1 to 8 then verses 9 to 13 and um, it's a rather unorthodox parable I think you'll agree you know we've got um, someone being commended for being basically um, unjust and um, you know we're not quite sure what he did but he wasn't using his master's goods very well what was the actual wording Um, it says, you've been wasting, that's right, wasting, uh, so yeah, so Jesus is apparently commending somebody for weird behaviour, wasting, and I'm sure that's not what he meant, and I think as we look at this parable, we'll see it's actually not what he was commending, not that bit anyway, so the, um, the, the, um, the, sorry, the, the servant goes on to say in this, in this parable after he's you know, been caught out, he's resolved what he will do. Um, that when he's put out of the stewardship that people are going to receive him into their houses. So what he's thinking is, how can I plan for the future? I know I'm going to get hard up. I know I'm going to be out of work. I'm not going to have any money. I'm not going to be able to buy food. And perhaps I even won't have anywhere to live. So how can I make provision for myself in these circumstances? And so he does this cunning thing. He just reduces the debt of all the people that owe his master so that he will have favour with them. And then when he's hard up in the future, they will um, actually look after him. And what Jesus is saying, the nub is really clear to us right away. Jesus is saying that the people of this world, they plan for the future. I mean, probably all of us in this room to a degree more or less plan for the future but the people in the world plan for the future we take out life insurance we Pay into pension schemes. Um, You know, we buy houses or we invest in stocks and shares if we have any extra money for that sort of thing. You know, people plan for their future. They are very interested in making provision for later. And that's what Jesus is commending. He's commending the idea of providing for later. But the later for us is not this temporal world, it's later in heaven. We're providing for a future in heaven. And um, you know, that we will actually, it says, will be welcomed into heavenly habitations. So there are two sort of spiritual principles um, that I think Jesus is wanting to bring out. And um, this is what he says next. He says, I say to you, make friends for yourselves by unrighteous mammon that when you fail, they may receive you into an everlasting home. So this is what Jesus is saying to us. He's saying we need to somehow use unrighteous mammon, which is money, that when we fail, when we die, we will be received into our everlasting home our heavenly home and much like the servant hoped to be received with joy into all the debtors homes where he would have a meal perhaps a bed for the night you know jesus is saying if we use money wisely and i think it's called unrighteous mammon because it doesn't actually do you any good does it it's not it's not it hasn't got a permanent solution for anything Um, in the sense that it's temporal, so it's sort of like unrighteous. Um, When we use it wisely, though, um, we can be received into heaven. And I I was reading one commentator who said, you know, they might even be like a a cheer group, you know, for all the people that you've blessed, you know, charities you've given into, um, overseas missions you've given into, people poor that you've helped. We don't know, do we? Perhaps they're all going to line up in the street and go, thank you so much. I don't know. That's (laughs) perhaps taking it to a bit of an extreme. But the point is that there is reward in heaven and we're going to look and deep into that a little bit more deeply. The interesting wording is is quite a a sort of um a difficult wording I think of this verse. this word "buy" um, make friends for yourselves by unrighteous mammon. And I had a look at the word "buy," peek at the Greek, as Mark likes to say. And um, it's the idea of the starting point. So your starting point for investing in heavenly things can be money. We also know there's time and talents as well. But this, I think, this parable is basically focusing on money. So this is a starting point. It's a resource that we can use to to build up heavenly treasures. Okay, it's got echoes in, <clears throat> excuse me, of Mark chapter six, which is a passage I think we're all quite familiar with, um, where Jesus says much the same thing. Okay, he says, "Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on the earth, where moss, moth, moss, moss <laughs> where moth and rust." Um, destroy where thieves break in and steal but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys where thieves do not break in and steal for where your treasure is there your heart will be also and this is the nub of it isn't it whatever we gain down here it's just all going to get burnt up or it's all going to just decay and rot? That what's the point of investing in lots and lots of stuff down here when we can be investing in something that's going to transcend this life and will bring great reward in heaven, incorruptible treasure in heaven? Um, It's a challenge, isn't it? And the last verse I really love, it says, "'For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also.'" And this was a real, I think, a real challenge to the Pharisees because their religion had no real heart relationship. It was more mechanical. And God doesn't want mechanical giving. You know, in 2 Corinthians 9-7, it says, each of us must give as he's decided in his heart, not reluctantly, not under compulsion, Okay. God isn't compelling you to give because he wants a cheerful giver. He wants to work in partnership with us, as I'm going to talk about in a minute. The Pharisees, um, you know, they were just interested in the, the letter of the law, all right? The tithing of the mint and the cumin and all of the little things that they kept. And they just thought that was the badge of righteousness. And they even thought that their riches were an expression of how good they were. They equated, um, you know, riches equals righteousness, you know. And this is how their heart relationship wasn't there with God. Whereas God wants with us to work with us, as I'm going to talk about in a minute. You know, Jesus... um, You know, reserve some of his harshest criticism for that sort of wrong attitude towards money. He said, woe to you, scribes, Pharisees, and hypocrites. You devour widows' houses in Matthew 23. As we're going to see, widows are close to God's heart. He wouldn't want someone to come in and take their house away. And again, in Mark 7, he says, if I say, uh, but you say that if anyone declares that what might have been useful to help their father and mother... Oh, I'm going to devote that to God, Corbin. I'm going to give it to God. That's the sort of thing the Pharisees encouraged. You know, we all know to support elderly relatives, that's close to God's heart. But, you know, the Pharisees had this twisted view of money and Jesus didn't like it. Swindling people out of their homes, taking away money that could support their families. Um, one preacher that I read about said, get all you can and can all you get. Yeah, anyway, (laughs) so that was the sort of attitude of the Pharisees. Get all you can and then can it to keep it, preserve it. Yeah, they just didn't recognise what the source of their wealth was. And that brings me to the second point. And this is a scripture that um, a friend gave Dave um, years and years ago um, when he was at university. A Christian friend gave him this scripture from Deuteronomy 8. Beware lest you say in your heart, my power and the might of my hands has got me this wealth. You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the power to get wealth, that he may confirm or establish, accomplish his covenant that he swore to your fathers as it is to this day. You know, we are stewards of God's resources in the same way that the unjust steward in our parable, was steward of his master's resources. He had, in fact, total control over all of his master's things. He could buy and sell and and pay the wages and all this stuff. And God has given us a huge amount of stewardship of things that he has given us. But, you know, the way we keep a loose grip on this is to remember that it's all from him. So I just want to pause a minute and just let us all think for a minute. So think about everything that you quote own think about your house think about your car think about all the furnishings you know just think literally everything of that actually belongs to God and we are stewards of these things and I think we sort of rationalize it sometimes don't we because we think well actually you know I've worked really hard for this you know I, I, you know, I worked hard at university, and I got a good degree, and then I got a good job, and then I worked really hard now, you know, and, and all this and that. And hard work is to be commended, don't get me wrong. But, you know, when you actually dig down to it, you know, God has given you the ability, the resources, perhaps the intellect, perhaps the character to be a hard worker. He's given you the, the, the witty inventions, the cleverness to invent something and be rich with that, I don't know. You know, all of the capabilities that we have, who we actually are, is given by God. And that helps us keep all of this stuff in perspective. You know, God isn't a killjoy. He wants us to have good things. He wants us to enjoy stuff. You know, he he wants you to go out and have a nice meal. He wants you to go on holiday and enjoy yourself. It says in 1 Timothy 6, he gives us richly, richly, all things to enjoy. Poverty isn't a blessing from God. He wants us blessed. But at the same time, he wants us mindful that we are to use the things we have to accomplish his kingdom purposes. In Psalm 50, it says, God says, basically, you can't give me anything. It all belongs to me anyway. The world is mine in its fullness. I have all the wild beasts of the field, all the fowls of the birds of the air. They're all mine. You can't give me anything. But what God is saying here, that he wants to work with us in his kingdom to establish this covenant to do the work that he wants on this earth and this is why i think the pharisees were such a problem for jesus because they were supposed to be representing god and what he was like and god isn't like that he doesn't steal widows houses and he doesn't you know steal from the poor god is a great giver and he wants us involved in this giving business And I was thinking about this and I just, you know, some of, most of you know I've got children and grandchildren now, and I just absolutely adore taking my grandchildren out in the garden and getting them to dig up, um, you know, parts of the garden and put bulbs in and other plants and things. Makes a terrible mess. Takes absolutely ages to clear up. If you get them involved in the cooking, you know, the kitchen is like flowers everywhere, you know, you know what it's like, we've all done it, but... We still do that, don't we? We know it's gonna be more painful, we know it's gonna be messy, but we still do it because we love them, we want relationship with them, we want to share the experience of building something together, of making a cake, of seeing bulbs come through. Or if you're a man, it could be tinkering in the car and he drops a spanner in the engine. I don't know, but I'm sure things like that happen. But you know, we all have this sense of wanting to partnership with those that we love. God's not different. God's exactly the same. He wants to partnership with us in in establishing his covenant. And as I'm trying to get over here, this is a relational thing, okay? We're all in relationship with God personally. And he's not nagging you today. He's not getting on your case with this sermon, okay? He really, really isn't. As I said, there's no condemnation for us in Christ. But he's calling us up higher to just see the potential that we have to just work with him and accomplish more than we could ever accomplish on our own. I had a little look at areas that this week we might like to just chew over and see how God wants to work. Um, you know, it's not prescriptive and it's not complete, I'm sure. Um, but I just had a look at the New Testament at different scriptures and um, Dave kindly um, got a load of scriptures for us too, on giving, um, that sort of fits with this next section here. So, you know, you might not write them all down, but if you want to grab one of these, you can look at them at your leisure next week. So, um, some of you might know, but evangelism is a little bit close to my heart at the moment. I seem to be eating, sleeping, drinking evangelism. So, my first area for investing in the gospel and building the kingdom of God is, um, is, is, is from Mark 16. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Well, that's quite a mandate, isn't it? Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Not all of us can go. Um, It's not what we're all called to do. It takes money to preach the gospel, you know, financing, um, locations, literature, and follow-up, and all of that things takes a lot of money to preach the gospel. Um, We can't all go physically, but we can send money. We can invest in that. And, uh, you know, probably some of you know here as a church, we invest in a great organisation called Sat7, um, which beams the good news of the kingdom of God right into people's homes in the Middle East and Northern Africa. And it's bringing this amazing message of the gospel into a culture and a community that I personally could never reach. I had no idea what to do. But I can support and you can support um, organisations like this. And it's treasure in heaven, it's really, really, um, you know, I've got it a bit later on, but I'll I'll, I'll share it now. But Jesus says, even when you give a cup of cold water to someone, because you recognise that's what they need at that moment, God remembers that. Just a cup of cold water. So, you know, perhaps you're standing at the coffee and you get someone a coffee who you can see needs one. God, even small things like that register on God's giving account Okay? So it's just so exciting. It's What I'm really talking about is a life of giving. It's a whole attitude of just pouring out all the time um, God's heart for people. So number one, the, the gospel. And then the second one I thought was really nice, actually. It's caring for needs within our own families. That's right. Going out to work every day and you know, keeping the house clean and washing and getting food and cooking nice meals, looking after your children, listening to them, helping them with their homework. All those things, caring for your families, is part of your heavenly treasure. So those of you that are holding out down jobs and getting up every day, going to work, coming home, eating, sleeping, getting up again, going to work, you know, that is part of your giving. It's a really important part. Um, it's, it's 1 Timothy 5.8. Um, that, you know, God points out here in 1 Timothy 5.8 that people who don't do that, who don't look after their families, it says they are denying the faith really strong and as worse than an unbeliever. So, you know, be encouraged today. If you're engaged in that, and most of us are, um, you know, well, I think we all are, but, you know, you, know, you are storing up treasure in heaven. Next thing, going out a bit wider from the circle of the family, Christians in need generally, Galatians 6. Um, so then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone. Do good to everyone, but especially to those who are of the household of faith. So if you can bless people, that's fab. If you can bless a Christian, it's even better. <laughs> that's, I think, what God's saying. And then the fourth area is teachers who feed us. So 1 Timothy 5.17 talks about the idea of labouring in the word and doctrine. And, um, you know, some people, you know, have jobs and you know, they can finance themselves as they're sort of going along. But some people give up everything to just become teachers and pastors and whatever. And um, we need to recognise what they do. And the labour of the word is, is a real accountability when you are have, when you stand up here and you're delivering something from the holy book. Because, you know, you want to get it right. And it takes a long time, looking at cross-references, as I'm sure you're aware, to, to labour, literally labour in the word. I've laboured this way. I can tell you, because I didn't find it difficult to deliver the right um, flavour for this. Do you understand where I'm coming from? Giving is such a a difficult subject, and so easily we all get switched off, but I'm hoping today to inspire us rather than, um, you know, put us to sleep. Okay, then the last thing is the poor. Jesus constantly gave to the poor, I think. Um, You know, at the Last Supper, when Judas got up with the money bag it records just briefly in John 13 that nobody thought anything of it they thought oh you know he's going out you know just to give something to the poor it must have happened so often that it was quote a non event judas leaving with the money bag okay so those five areas there that we can perhaps sort of chew over and see what god is saying to us you know just basically as a church we tend to tithe the income from the church. Um, this is just to let you know. Um, and then we give that out into many of the areas that are listed here. We've got the Good News Shoes Initiative in Malmesbury. Um, as I've mentioned, Sat 7 already. We've given to the Salvation Army in the past in Swindon. And, and if you guys in the congregation have a particular charity that, you, that really is something that is close to your heart, please let the elders and Pastor Lydia Remark Mark know, um, because, you know, they... They, they want to reflect the, the desires of the congregation in the, the way the church gives. Okay, so going on to the, verse 10. He who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. He who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust true riches? And if you've not been faithful in what is another man's, Who will give you what is your own? Now, this section here fits nicely with two other things in the Bible. In Matthew 25, there's the parable of the talents. And in Luke 19, there's the parable of the pounds. And um, Steve's going to be talking about that. You might not know yet, Steve, because it is a couple of months away. But I just didn't want to steal your thunder, brother, so I'm not going to say a lot about that. (laughs) But... (laughs) But the parable of the talents and the parable of the pounds actually talk about what um, address the same issue that Jesus is talking about in this section here, and it's the idea that we've been given um, we've been given money and we've been given resources, talents. You could broaden it really um, to other things. And what all God expects is for us to multiply it. The only people that Jesus had no time for was the ones that you know the ones that buried it in the ground and just didn't do anything with it you know the guy that had two and made four and the guy that had five and made ten they were commended and the interesting wording of it was they were given great responsibility in the parable of the talents and in the parable of the pounds they were given responsibility for ruling cities So what we're talking about here, guys, is what we do down here has literal eternal consequences, okay? You will end up ruling cities, ruling cities, okay, because of your faithfulness with the unrighteous stuff, okay? You know, God is looking at what we do and he's thinking, oh my goodness, look at that child of mine and how, you know, they've moved and given into this situation. And, you know, I just know that this job in heaven is going to be perfect for them. It's exciting stuff, isn't it? Now, I want to make clear that we're not judged on um, our salvation, okay? So I'm just going to give you a couple of scriptures just to show that, you know, the things that I'm talking about here is we're judged on what we do with um, stuff, how we live our lives and, and things. But that is going to happen. And we don't talk about it a lot, do we? So I've got two scriptures here, and they're both from Corinthians. Two Corinthians and one Corinthians. I don't know if the Corinthians particularly needed to hear this, but they got two dollops of this in, in the books that Paul wrote. Um, the Holy Spirit, of course. Okay, so number one, 2 Corinthians 5, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one of us may receive the things done in the body, according to what he has done, whether good or bad, Um, And it says in the second one that fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work which he has built on endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss. But he himself will be saved yet as through fire. So what we're talking about here is we're not talking about losing our salvation. We don't have a salvation of works, do we? Jesus has given us eternal life when we put faith in him. Um, but what is going to happen is there will be this judgment seat. And this word judgment here comes from the Greek word bima. And it was the place at the end of the Roman race. You know, they had these big um, auditoriums where they, the athletes would compete, the Greek and the Romans. And there would be a seat where the, the, the person who was presiding over the event sat at the end, and he handed out the rewards for the races. It's like, you know, the... Um, the chains with first, second and third on that you get in the Olympic medals and things. That's what was happening here. So the picture is here of reward. Okay, Jesus is going to be saying good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of your Lord. And by the way, you've got those 10 cities to look after. So let's keep an eternal perspective on all that we do. Okay, finally, no servant no, no servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. So the key word here is serve, I think, okay? Um, it isn't inherently bad to have money. Money is needed in the kingdom of God. Um, it's just... Um, it's the love of money that's the root of all evil. That what is what it says in 1 Timothy 6:10. God wants us to have money. He wants. If, I think God wants. He's longing to pour out money into our lives and situations. He wants us just to. It won't that it won't corrupt us and you know turn us in the wrong direction. So money isn't inherently bad. It's it's when we serve money and we don't serve God with our money. If you see what I mean. Uh, that is the thing that um, God is addressing here. So just briefly to sum up. No condemnation here, guys. God's got a plan for each one of us. We've all got talents. We've all got gifts. We've all got abilities. And we've all got some degree of money. We've Different amounts. But just God is calling us to get invested in our heavenly treasure. Make treasure in heaven through the use of your money. And then you'll be welcomed in with much reward. And... um pray you have a good week okay so that's the end of our service um, today as I say if anybody would like prayer for anything at all please free to come, free, feel free to come up as some of you will know Mark and Lydia are away at the moment on holiday the, the um, pastors of our church and we've been praying for them but um, they're back soon but Dave and I are as elders are standing in today so if any of you would like prayer please come forward and uh, we can pray with you Um, So have a blessed week everyone and uh, see you again soon.